off in a best of seven series, three to one over the Habs. So we decided to jump on. It's going to be a shorter podcast today, Ian, because but we wanted to get something down because we're not on the air next week. But I don't want to start with the lease just yet. I, I want to ask one question. The 76ers are killing the Wizards at halftime. And Bradley Beal has 24 at the half. Who is guarding him? Shouldn't Ben Simmons be guarding Brad Beal? And isn't he the best perimeter defender in the entire NBA? Isn't that what everyone keeps telling me? Oh, isn't that what all those Looney Tunes on Twitter tell you? Right? Isn't he up for defensive player of the year? What are we talking about? Right? Like, hey, I'll give Simmons credit. He's got 16, 6, and 6. And 16 points for him is like... 400 for everybody else so like i understand why you know why everyone's excited about his game tonight but you know here we are here we are you you got the eight seed and we're talking about bradley beal having 24 at the half come on man this is the defensive player of the year right here and he balled in game one and everyone slurps thigh ball and he's very good defensively but how many minutes are you getting a game from thigh ball like 15 20 maybe 20 that's I think during the year is around eight, 18 point something because, uh, you know, everyone has him on their all defensive teams. And, you know, the whole idea is, well, you know, should he qualify? So this year he paid, he played 20 minutes on the dot this year, started eight games. Congratulations. Wouldn't you rather have Kyle Lowry? <laughs> like, Hey so- man, I, I, I think the Sixers, I think the Sixers are going to be dangerous. I think, you know, the Embiid thing is the Trump card, but, you know, I don't know if you caught any of Brooklyn last night, but uh, I'm not sure it's going to matter. They're really good. And, and everyone keeps talking about how their defense has been has been a lot better than expected. Now, you know, the, the Boston Celtics aren't exactly, you know, the the Harlem Globetrotters on offense either, especially without Jalen Brown. That hurts. You don't know what you're getting from Kemba from night to night. And after you get past that, it's kind of a dog's breakfast. Like, I really like the Evan Fournier trade for them at the deadline. But um there's been a lot of a lot of words written that he hasn't been what they had expected you'd think you know guy who can get hot in, in any given playoff game and drop 30. yeah i i mean so the raptors played orlando what felt like every year there in the in the in the playoffs when in reality i think it was only two but you know every time fournier touched the ball you're never concerned and it's the same with kemba you know kemba you know unless it's the fourth quarter it feels like if whenever Kemba touches the ball, I, it, it just doesn't matter, right? Like I, I came on this podcast at the beginning of the season and I asked our friend, Rob Shaw, our family, Rob Shaw, if Kemba Walker's contract was the worst non-wall slash Westbrook contract in the league. And, you know, everyone sort of did hot and thought I was being hard on Boston. But I don't know if you watch them play, but, we, we, you know, when we talk hockey, you talk about guys who drive lines, Right. Zach Hyman drives a line. Yes. Kemba Walker doesn't drive anything. He drives himself to the game, I'm sure. And then when he gets there, it's just like you never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. And that and that that contract is is not going to be fun for the Celtics moving forward, because I mean, not that you've heard it here first, but them boys getting swept. I'm glad you clarified the fourth quarter thing last year for Kemba because he torched the Raptors in the fourth quarter last year. So I'm glad you clarified that piece. It felt like it. It felt like it for a few games, at least. I mean, when he was shooting threes, I wasn't concerned. When I was concerned is when he was doing his 
you know, his pull-ups, right. And you know, the, the sidestep pull-ups, those are sort From of the elbow shot. free throw. Line, yeah. yeah. Yes. That yeah. was concerning. Right. Cause the scouting, read the scouting report guys, like don't allow him to get there. But I mean, he, he's a not, he's a non-factor. He's a non-factor. And, and by the way, you, you mentioned we're on a short podcast today. The reason we're on a short podcast today is because I am all in on Hawks Knicks. I am all in on it. And I want to catch as much of it as we can. And, and, and so let, let's move on, but really quick, if you did not get a chance Make sure you check out the Shaw's Law podcast. Rob has been on our podcast multiple times. Ian went over for a bit of a home and home. Rob was on our podcast last week. Rob, uh, Ian went on to Rob's podcast and they discussed anything to do with the NBA playoffs and what was the play-in games a week ago. Make sure you go check it out. It was it was a really, really good listen. Uh, and, and it was a nice primer for the playoffs. And a lot of things that they mentioned, I think, still hold true but they are very bullish on the Knicks and uh, that you're right Ian. We want to get to that. So let's get, yeah, to- we were, I gotta say, I gotta say if, when you go back and listen and do, do go back and listen, um, felt like we were right about a lot of stuff, which is weird. It doesn't normally happen. Uh, sport, not because we're stupid because sports are just so unpredictable. Sports are unpredictable, right? They're super unpredictable. Um, the, the, the one thing I will say, I will pose it to you. It's a question that I got asked at the end of the podcast. And you guys all know the game, marry, fuck, kill, right? It, you know, it's not about who you actually want to marry, who you actually want to kill, and who you actually want to have sexual relations with. That's not, you know, obviously it, it's a metaphor. So Rob asked us, or asked me, and he said, of the second fiddles of the upper tier Eastern Conference teams, name me the players. Name me the second fiddle guys, marry, fuck, kill in order. Now, he didn't include include Brooklyn because that's not fair, right? Like, impossible. But for everyone else. So for Philadelphia, that's Ben Simmons. For Milwaukee, that's, I said Drew Holiday, but you could say Chris Middleton, I guess, if you were stupid. And the last one was Bam Adebayo. Now, not that the Heat look like they're upper echelon anything right now, but this is before the playoffs. So put those in order for me. Mary Fuck Hill. First of all, who's the be- who is the the second best player on Milwaukee? Probably Chris Middleton, but because he he can create his own shot. Fair so, at editing games, I, I'm totally with you. My only, but like the reason I, think, I went with Holiday. The reason I went with Holiday. Is I th- so hold on, let me clarify. I think Drew Holiday is the better basketball player, but I think Chris Middleton's the more important basketball player. Is that like that's how I would classify it? See, I would say for forty-three minutes, Drew Holiday is the more important player. For the last five, they need Middleton's offense because yeah. Giannis can't get his own. Because Giannis shot. can't do it. No, I know. Can't get his own shot. So I, I, I get it. I'm with you. I understand why you went there. That's actually fair. And I'm not a Middleton guy, but I get it. I know you're not. You call Norm Powell on this podcast, which is... The only thing I will say about Holiday is that the reason we're... One of the main reasons we're watching what we're watching with him, you know, it's not because Giannis made a leap. It's not because Budenholzer changes, you know, the way he coaches. It's it's not because, you know, Chris Middleton or Dante DiVincenzo or one of these sort of extra guys hit hit an extra level. It's because Drew Holiday from Eric Bledsoe is the equivalent of going from a 1985 Toyota Camry to a 2021 Lamborghini Aventador. 
Like that is the gap. It's a bit right? dramatic. So, it's a bit no, but, dramatic. But Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday changes the entire, like changes the the trajectory of that franchise. Like he puts them. They're a genuine finals contender in in a in a good Eastern Conference, largely because of that addition. That wasn't an overpay. We can go through that. Obviously. I'm sure to another day. But We've already went through it multiple that. times. He's changed that. Okay. So. So who are they? All right. So. I'm probably gonna marry Bam. I'll Great. probably marry Bam, because I think he's. I I don't like how, how Miami uses him. I think he needs to be deployed more. I want I want him in every action close to the ball on offense and on defense. He's a Swiss Army. Particularly when Jimmy doesn't have it. Yeah. He hasn't had it. And I know I get him the and point. Gordon need to. I understand the whole dynamic of when Jimmy's not, can't, sh- he's not an outside shooter. So putting him and Bam too close to the ball can clog up some spacing. But that's more a Jimmy problem than a Bam problem to me. So. Wait. Shoot, why do you have spacing issues if you have Tyler Hero? Wasn't that the whole point? <laughs> and Duncan Robinson. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. That's going horribly. Okay. So I. So I. I wouldn't kill – technically, I wouldn't kill any of these players, but if I had to kill one, I'd kill Drew. And I'd kill Drew because I think that he is – in games that he's played against the Raptors, which probably isn't fair, he's largely overrated and unnoticeable. Now, again, I'm Agreed. not saying that I'm a basketball savant and it's against one team, that's but that's the traditionally when I have watched him is against the Raptors and they make him look completely – like he's not even on the floor. So that's why I would kill him. Whereas Ben Simmons can affect the, you already know that I, we already, our first ever segment that we did for social media, for the public was Ben Simmons versus, versus, uh, Ben, uh, versus, uh, Brandon Ingram, Ingram. Brandon and Ingram. I stand by it. And, and I stood by Ben Simmons. So that's why I, I'd probably fuck Ben Simmons and, and he's younger. He's a better asset, but the, the shooting thing is a major problem. So that's where I'm torn. I think I married, I think I'm going to marry Bam. Yeah, Mary Bam, fuck Ben Simmons, killed Drew Holiday. So my only can I can I just say one thing on the Simmons piece? I watched for seven games two years ago, as that guy stood in the dunker spot, not making an impact. And whenever he touched the ball, unless it was like a dead sprint in transition, whenever he touched the ball, I was thanking God that it wasn't Embiid. Butler or even Harris, and that's why right? I'm not, like that's why I'm not marrying him. No, I, no, I understand, like, I understand. But, but the tantalizing aspect of what Ben Simmons can be is attractive to me. That's why I'm putting him in that category. I couldn't kill a talent like Ben Simmons. That's the, the other thing about Drew is that the the reason why I could see Milwaukee hanging with Brooklyn, potentially even beating them, is because there is no human on the planet Earth who guards Kyrie Irving like Drew Holiday. And there may not be anyone on planet Earth who can stay in front of Kyrie Irving. But Drew Holiday is the best guard defender we have in the league, period, over. I don't want to hear it. It's not even a discussion, right? That's so valuable for them. It's so valuable for them. And he gives you something on O, not like Bledsoe. So, hey, it's your opinion. I just wanted to ask. We can move. Well, I just wanted to give a couple minutes. We've now gone 11 minutes on – the NBA. So let's get to the Knicks in the NHL. And that is the Toronto Maple Leafs who have a commanding three, one series lead over the Montreal Canadians. Ian, when we came on this podcast last week and gave our preview with Kevin Papetti, this is where I want to start. One of the things that you brought up 
very astutely, I must say, is can you take a punch in the mouth? And this is before game one. You obviously likened it to the Toronto Raptors getting punched in the mouth by, by DJ Augustine and the Orlando Magic in their finals run. They got punched in the mouth. They got carry priced. They lost their captain for an indefinite amount of time in one of the most heart-wrenching oh. and like emotionally oh. scarring scenes I've ever seen as a sports fan or just as a human. They lost the game, and they Some couldn't. Guy scored from his knees. Exactly the, the the shorthanded goal, power play couldn't generate anything. All those things we were worried about bubbled to the front, and you had the last year the Columbus Blue Jackets doing what Montreal did. There, the chances were, you know, it wasn't as bad. It was slightly in Toronto's favor. You know, you could really look at that. The Montreal outplayed the Leafs in game one, but they got punched in the mouth, literally, physically, and and emotionally with the John Tavares mm-hmm. thing. They have responded with three straight wins. So I'll give you this. What are your thoughts on Toronto getting punched in the mouth? And what have you seen in the last three games that makes you think this team handled this properly? Doesn't mean they so win a title, two, but no, I it's step by step with this with this group. But game two is utter domination. Utter domination. And what Austin Matthews did to that group is if I was Sheldon Keefe, I would be playing that tape on loop in his bedroom while he slept because like that's the player you can be where it's like it doesn't even matter right like you're out muscling Shea Weber right like that was the type of stuff that Matthews was doing it was utter dominance right games I, I games three and four I thought they dominated the first two periods game three the, the third period was really rough mm-hmm. um last night third period was better but, it, you know, it, it's funny, right? Like, it, it just never felt in doubt. And, and I think, you know, last night was dominance too. But the one thing I will say, I, I, I thought the officiating, particularly in the second period, for was, Montreal was rough. It was rough. rough. Like, Paul Byron, Jumbo's goal. Paul Byron got ju- taken. Yeah, Jumbo's goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did. He got taken down. And Jumbo's yep. goal, like, I, I don't know about you. I felt really weird. Like, I didn't even really celebrate. Because it was like, like, obviously, you know, you know the commercial where that kid, you know, the basketball player goes to the ref and says, I touched it. It's their ball. Yes. Like I, I'm yeah. Like I'm not being that guy. Like, Oh, that goal shouldn't count. I'm all for the rules. Like, fuck that. Like the goal counts. I just couldn't get excited about it. I got but very excited. It's, do- it's do- It was dominant. It was dominant. And, and, and by the way, like Sheldon Keefe, the one thing I would say is that that is clearly not a man who was worried about his job because if that man was worried about his job, and he was doing all that tinker bullshit and it didn't and it didn't work and Dermot was horrible. I can't imagine the backlash. Well, I would say about the jumble thing, I definitely celebrated, obviously, but part of me was like, oh, the karma here. You know you're gonna get a makeup mm-hmm. call for mm-hmm. sure, which mm-hmm. happened with Brooks. By the way, can I just say I, then I promise I will let you go. No, no, go. This makeup call bullshit that we have in hockey is so ridiculous. Like there's, there should be no such thing as a makeup call. The referee either calls it right or misses it. There's no making up if it's a miss, right? Chances are if a team is more heavily penalized than the other, like the Leafs were when they kept shooting the puck over the glass in game one, <laughs> chances are there's a reason for that. There's no such thing as a makeup call. Nonsense. It happens in every sport. It's not just hockey. It happens all the time. Basketball, it's, soccer. But it's so devastating 
it's so devastating in hockey yep. because it's two full minutes. You lose a player. Yeah. Right. Like it's so devastating. It's, it's not, not just it's, some ticky tack. It's not two points in a two in a 212 point game it, it, or, exactly. or, you know, uh, the ball stops like this is right at midfield. Right. No, I, I get it. I get it. Um, this team all year has been responding really well. And the one thing that I took away from game one, obviously I was very disappointed was that Jack Campbell played well. That was what I was concerned with pretty. That was the biggest concern I had going in was, okay, everyone, everything went wrong for the Leafs, but that one thing didn't. And he has been fantastic through this. Now there have been stretches. He's been epic so far. There have been stretches that Leafs haven't been dominant. I think their first periods have been generally lackluster, but I think that, that both teams have just kind of come into this, you know, just feeling each other out. We, we talked yesterday during that game, we came out of that first period. We're like, this is a weird game. And the way that I put it to you was, I feel like Montreal is playing better than Toronto, but Toronto's getting the better chances, which always feels weird. And Austin Matthews didn't play well. So we had that kind of brewing for us. Didn't play well early. Did not play well early. He took over from after when the second period started. So Dominant. let's do this because what's gone right for the Leafs is when John Tavares went down, multiple players stepped up and players that have not been very good this year. And I know one that you want to say for who has stepped up. And I'll let you say it because I think well, he's playing second line center. He, here's, here's, I, I want to get to him. The one thing I will say, the, the reason this year feels – look, when I say it feels different, it's not because I think that we're going to win the title, right? It feels different because last year when Jake Muzzin went down, that was a wrap. Over. Over. It, 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 it's over. It, 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 we, we played the rest of the series. We had that crazy comeback in game four. It was over as soon as that happened. And we lose our captain, and you're able to adjust. and. I'm sorry. That is roster construction. That is, I'm deeper now. Yeah. So, you know, so Justin Hall is playing like shit. You know, Morgan Riley is meh. I'm sorry. The 2020 Leafs do not survive something like that. They just don't. Against any team. Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. matter. They don't survive that. And, you know, Dermot, struggled early yesterday and then really found his way yep. particularly in the third he really found his way and i'm sorry that's just a luxury that this team has not had and, and, and maybe maybe it's not even a personnel thing but it's definitely a confidence thing Th- this team is able to take something players in and out of the lineup we, we haven't even talked about how nick felino's hurt hello they gave up a first for him <laughs> like two months ago Yep. Right, we're not even talking about how he didn't. He's not. He didn't play the last game, or two games. No, he hasn't okay. played the last two games. He yeah, the last two games. And it's a guy who, all year, couldn't play center, and has stepped in. And we're talking about Alex Kerfoot. Alex Kerfoot, the last two games, has been the most consistently good to great Leaf. Mm-hmm. And you know, Matthews has taken periods off. Nylander's been excellent, but Kerfoot. We talk about driving a line. This man is driving a line, and he's not just driving his his own line. He's driving the, the, any other line he plays on. The guy, the guy is he's been unbelievable. And and when when things like this happen, Felino goes out, Tavares goes out, 
Those are two top six guys. You need someone that's going to come in and make an impact. And he has made an impact. He has been, I, I, I am astonished. He's been staggering how good yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. And, and you pull a guy off your bench and put him onto your second line. And the dude now has had three points last night. He has more points than any Montreal Canadian this entire series. And that's Alex Galchenyuk. Now, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Galchenyuk's game. Um, maybe it's the way he skates. I don't, I don't know. Just, But one thing that I will say about him, since he's got here, he has not stopped working. He has, he has come into every game and tried his hardest. And he has defensive limitations. You would think a line of Kerfoot, Nylander, and Galchenyuk would be defensively liable. They haven't been. now, Or, or, or even just get bullied around. And that just has not happened. You know, Montreal's the big no, no. He, tough guy. He, he pushes his weight around for sure. He does, and and I'm sure that I watched his interview after the game last night. And it's you know he's asking like, does this feel any different? Do you have any friends on the other side? He's like, there's no friends in the playoffs. And no, this doesn't feel any different. I'm just thinking about going out there and doing my job every single night. Like they sent this dude down to the minors just to, to get right to get in as a part of the, the organization. And then him doing doing what he did in the regular season. Rightly or wrongly, Dubas went, I don't need another top six forward that isn't versatile, like a Taylor Hall, because I have Galchenyuk. I'll go get that versatile guy that can play lines one through four. So, I, listen, Alex Kerfoot has, it was basically like, this dude can't play center, he needs to play on the wing, and is now, again, anchoring a line against an inferior team, understandably, but also a deep team. Like, Montreal doesn't have a lot of great players. I think like, their best player is probably, is on offense, is probably Deneau. It's, yeah, like I think Petrie and Weber are very good. I like short. I hate Sherratt as like, as yeah, a player. He's he good me though. crazy, but he's good. Like him and Edmondson are pretty good. But I would say, I would say this because I want to get to a couple other players. Uh, they've got it from unex- from what I would say as someone who watched every minute of every single game this year. They have ca- the team's been carried by unexpected players, which. That's, would never happen. That's what you need to do. So it's, it's, like, it's like it's like baseball in the playoffs, right? What do you need to win in, win in the playoffs? You need timely hitting, and good pitching. That that's literally what it comes down to, right? And, and in hockey, you need the others to to come and make an impact. And the one thing I will say about Galchenyuk getting sent down that is very Raptorsy. That is very Raptorsy of the Leafs, and I think that's important, right? We are not using the AHL as a way to punish somebody. We are using the AHL as a way to be a, a reflection of what we do with the big club, with yes. the smaller club. So I, I am breeding you all the way through. And that, but that's what the Raptors 905 have done. And that's why they have the best player development group in the entire, in the entire NBA. And, and, and look, like we, with Galchenyuk, he just doesn't stop. He does not stop. He's Lunch. just constant. So that's a really good point about the development system because when Shanahan came here, that was his big thing. And it's because, you know, when did Masai get here? 2013, right? No, before that. Maybe, okay. No, maybe it was 2013 because he won the executive Shanahan of the year. came right after that and Masai had stepped in and said, we're going to do all these things. We need a development system here. We need to do, we need to coach the 905 like we play on the Raptors. That's what Shanahan implemented here too. It was like, we're going to go get Sheldon Keefe, who's going to co- traditionally coach the way that Mike Babcock is going to, so that you're playing in a certain system. The divide started to happen where Sheldon Keefe started implementing his own strategies, and which was very possession-based. But we don't want to get too deep into this, but you're right. It is very much a development space for them. And you got, you got Pierre Engvall coming in and playing well. I, I'm not convinced of the third line, but I want to call out two more players. I, I'm going to go one more player. I'll let you go one more that you feel has been an early hero for the Maple Leafs. 
And mine's going to be Jack Campbell. And it, I mentioned him earlier, obviously, this is an easy one. Shut out last night. He's let in four total goals in the entire series. Did you see the NHL.com graphic before the playoffs? They were ranking the top 16 goalies coming into the playoffs. 16 teams, 16 goalies. Jack Campbell was not mentioned in the top 16. They mentioned two Carolina Hurricanes players, goalies over him. And this dude, again, he unproven, came into the season as a backup. He's been a hero. Yeah, but how many – see, that's such horseshit, right? Because how many times do we see – Matt Murray, by the way, was unproven, right? Like, there are dudes all the time yep. that do this. And they're, they're – un- look at Dallas last year, right? Like, it happened – it? Kudobin. Kudobin. Like, Anthony Yemi won a cup. You got – All the time. Mike it happens Le- all the Layton. time. Yeah, oh, yeah. It happens all the time. It's goalies. It's about getting hot at the right hot. time. Good. That's it. And he is he he's hot right now. Uh so I just wanted to call out Jack. And I'll give you I'll give you one more player because I got a couple more things I want to jump on and then uh, and then I want to end with one more quick one. My guy's Zach Bogosian. I I love it. Bogo. I thought you were gonna go Spezza. I'm not gonna lie, I thought you were gonna say Ooh, Spezza. God, he's been I mean, well, let's quickly go in on Spezza. Spezza may be the best minimum player in the league. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, it's absurd how good he is still. Oh good. He's like I'm sorry. I, I just don't see a universe where this guy is not able to play very good hockey for at least one or two more years after this. I mean, he's been excellent. And by the way, bringing up Brooks was the right move. Brooks on that line gives them juice, mm-hmm. right? It's not just the three geezers. I, I mean, Simmons isn't a geezer, but I consider him a geezer. It's very good. But no, Bogosian, you know, everyone sort of laughs at the, oh, the the playoff toughness and everything else. He's been great. And like he's not making the key with him is don't make big mistakes. If you make a mistake, make it a little one, you know, maybe it's, you know, being late on something in the corner or, you know, you don't get the puck out of the blue line the first time you do it the second time, little stuff like that. That's the stuff that, that he's limiting and he's been really good. And look, they just, with Simmons and Bogosian, they just don't get fucked around with as much as they did before. They just don't. I mean, and, and, you know, a little bit with Jumbo, too, just because, you know, you have a big grizzly bear coming at you. But, you know, with the other two, like, it's serious and it's mattering. And it trickles down. You got Matthews legit laughing at people and trying to bully him. And he's laying big hits. Marner's laying hits. Willie killed someone two games ago that that led to the goal. So Marner, by the way, Marner's defensively ridiculous ridiculous. just ridiculous listen please go read um i believe it was ian tullock's breakdown of the of game four he broke down the the montreal canadians power play perfectly they have five right shots in their top power play just isolating cole caulfield maybe it's four plus cole caulfield completely isolating them but the leafs are doing a fantastic job there and 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 i want to transition to the leafs quick actually no let's say here really quick felino comes back in my opinion you got to pull brooks out what do you do? Do you leave? I think you leave the second line of Galley, Nylander, and Kerfoot until they kill you. And then you, you throw Simmons back down with the geezers and you roll Felino, uh, Engvall, Mikheyev, no? Or do you, or does Felino slot in? I, I, I think that you got to throw Felino. I don't know. I don't want to touch, I don't want to touch the second line because of how good they were, but I can't help but think what sort of juice could go. I know Galchenyuk's a top six guy, but what sort of juice could he give? 
the two geezers. I, f- I feel like Spezza with Galchenyuk could actually produce something. Fair. And, you know, so th- th- that could be interesting. I-, I thought Brooks was okay. Like, he didn't really do much, but he also did a lot, which he is made, strange. He, made those little, he does a little. Yeah, he, yeah. he does. And, I th- and he's irritating to play against. I-, I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, the, the, the I never thought, but if and when JT ever comes back, and we love you, we're thinking about you, JT. If and when he comes back, and when Felino comes back, like they have really tough decisions, and that's a good place to be, but also a shitty place to be. Like pulling out any of those guys is going to suck. It's always good to have too many good players. So let's get to the Montreal side really quickly here, and and the reason I want to touch on Montreal and, and kind of what adjustments that you think that they can make after watching them is this: while we sit here and we're giddy, we're laughing, we're we're boisterous, we're excited. We're confident. I have a request from everyone on Twitter. Relax on like this series is over. Relax on just thinking ahead to Winnipeg Jets. I'm confident that the Maple Leafs are going to win this series. I was confident they were going to win this series before. But focus on the task at hand. Like, I know that we're not the players. We're the fans. We're the analysts. We're we're who we are. But this is, it's a 3-1 series. We earned this. We deserve to be in this position. Let's finish it out. Montreal, they're going to try and claw back into this. In my opinion, Ian, they have to do something about the Toronto Maple Leafs cycle. We saw for years the Toronto Maple Leafs get hemmed into their own zone. It's devastating right now. It's devastating. The, the cycle chances for Toronto, they have 37 to 11. 11. That is heavy pressure in the offensive zone. Now, Montreal's doing a good job off the rush, and we saw this. The stretch patches, passes getting in behind the defense, getting those two-on-ones in that transition game. So... My key to Montreal is, A, they're going to need to figure out something about their power play, obviously. But I think Toronto has a lot to say about that. And it's not like Toronto's power play setting the world on fire either. So the special teams game, tough to lean on right now. But they got to do something about Toronto's cycle game. Because it is immense, the pressure that they're putting on the Montreal Canadiens right now. What do you think? What do you, what do you see from for, outside of the cycle? What do they need? Is it more from their top players? Do they need? No, I, no, you know what they need? It's the same thing that Mark Bergevin has been trying to fix for what feels like a decade, right? Jonathan Drentre, what do, what do, you know, we're going to trade Mikhail Sergachev, our top prospect, because we need to score goals. Okay, let's bring in Duran. All right, we, we're going to trade for Max Domi because we need goals. All right, we're going to sign Tyler Toffoli because we need goals. We're going to sign, you know, we're going to go get trade for Josh Anderson because we need goals, right? Like, at what point does, you know, and I get it, like, you know, they have guys on the come up, but Bergevin's been trying to fix this problem forever and he hasn't. And at some point, I'm sorry, you just need to eat that. Yep. That's on you. Like, a lot of this gets solved if they can score, but they can't, right? They prioritize, you know, this summer felt, you know, they went and got Corey Perry. Congratulations. You know, they uh, traded, I, I, traded for, uh, for, um, to Foley, you know, signed no, to Foley. Stahl, no, who, which stall do they have? Eric Stahl. Thank they you. For Eric Thank Stahl. you. You know, they, they, they obviously, you know, Anderson and all that other stuff, but they also brought in guys like Edmondson and they clearly wanted to get bigger and meaner. And that was sort of the direction. Well, when you do that, you give up something. Yep. You do. And honestly, this is blasphemy, but this feels like a team who could have used Tyson Berry. And, <laughs> <laughs> like a, no, no, like a, that type, right? Like a a 
Now, I think Barry is terrible. But someone like that who's power play specialist can create chances, um, creates offense. I, I, I get at it. No point. Right. The, the reason Barry sucked for the Leafs is because he was forced to p- play a role that he should never have been playing. That well, guy should only we play. We didn't have any good defensive defensemen. Exactly. So it's just like if, if Barry so it compounded up, the problem. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, but they could really use a guy like that. Like the Leafs have a real advantage when they can just roll out Sandine and Riley on, on each on each power play again, it hasn't been going great, but those guys really set the table and they need that. And at five on five, they make a difference offensively, which For the sure. Canadians don't have. And that's my second point about the Canadians. They don't have. The Canadians are driven a lot of times on offense by their defense, right? With Petrie. It, Petrie is, has been a non-factor offensively. points though this year. Insane. And this is the, this is the thing. They have zero points in their defense in this series. That is not how Montreal creates offense is with zero points from from their from their defenders so well it's here's the thing having been a person who played defense for 15 years it's really hard to create offense when you're busy chasing other people around and when you're busy chasing around fast players it's really hard it's really hard because when i'm done chasing mitch marner and i want to puke the last thing i need to think about is going to score a goal a lot of things have gone right what we hope is we don't see the bell center anymore. Let's get this done in five. Let's get back on track. Let's get against the Jets. Let's get this for JT. But you know what? The hardest one to win is the fourth one. But I think this team is built different. I think that they are ready for this. And I'm ready to get there. Speaking of being built different, our last quick topic. The Los Angeles Clippers are down 0-2 in a series against the Dallas Mavericks after purposely losing their last two games to get Dallas and avoid any potential with the Lakers. Ian, the floor is yours. What the fuck is going on? Honestly, they're soft and they're poorly run. We had this discussion this morning and the discussion is is simple. So many times organizations get bailed out because of where superstar players are born. The Cleveland Cavaliers got bailed out for years because the greatest basketball player of all time was born there. And he gave them 11 years, however long he was there, 11 years and brought them a title, but provided them with, you know, franchise value and ticket sales and everything else. And also a ton of wins solely because he was from there. And I know people will say, particularly, you know, our good friend Rob Shaw will say, oh, well, he was drafted there. So, you know, he was locked in. LeBron James doesn't give a shit, right? Like if he hated it, Clutch was getting him out of there. This is a guy who did the decision on purpose. I would say this. Early, he probably stays. But he came back. No dude who's not from that area comes back to that. No chance. No. Why would you? No. The owner, the owner basically called you a wash king on the way out. Yeah. Right. You you have to live in Cleveland on purpose. Like no one's coming back for that. Right. Now we're seeing with the Clippers is we are saying the same thing. We are seeing the same thing. This is an organization that has never made good decisions. Sure. Shade Gil just Alexander. Fine. I'll give you that. Right. This who is they, a team. This is an organization traded. traded. This is an organization that's never made good decisions. And by the way, after they signed Kawhi and, and Paul George, 
they continued ma- and, and the trade for Paul George was bad as it happened. They continued making bad decisions. I'm sorry. How much does uh, Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris make? Ian, one hundred and twenty-four million dollars combined. And how many, how many minutes, minutes has Luke, Luke Kennard played in these playoffs? DNP CD did do did not play coach's decision. That shit's on purpose. <laughs> they they have they Reggie Jackson played last night. Terrence Mann played last night. Rondo, like Pat Beverly, it's. I'm sorry. This is not an organization that's made good decisions, and you're paying the price. And look, Kawhi's going to go back there because he wants to live in L.A. But I, I'm sorry. This is an, an utter joke. And, and by the way, great Twitter follow is a guy at Dragonfly Jones. Okay? His tweet from yesterday. Luke had 43, a 42, and a 38-point game when the Mavs and Clippers met last postseason. And a game winner. And the Clippers were like, yeah, we want that guy again. Line it up. That's all you need to say. This is an organization that makes bad decisions and went and got Luka, went and to play Luka Doncic again on purpose. Luka Doncic is the best player in the series, and it's not close. I, okay, I, I would say that it's, it's definitely close. I think Kawhi is the best player in the series. Uh, Sean, it was, Kawhi was great yesterday. I watched the, the entire game. It was hilarious, but I, this 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 is what I am going to say. Kawhi gets a pass a lot of times in this stuff because he's so great, two time champion, defensive marvel, a, a single offense into and of himself. Finals MVPs. He has it all. This is Kawhi's team. Kawhi made this. They don't go do any any of this without talking to Kawhi. He got Paul George. Yep. They don't do any of this without him. Marcus Morris, if, if Kawhi doesn't is, is even does the LeBron passive aggressive shit, they're not signing Marcus Morris to that contract. Because now Kawhi's camp is so involved in everything. The Uncle Dennis piece, so involved. Kawhi has to share, has to wear this. He was atrocious in game seven last year. Mm-hmm. It was Denver, right? Against yep. Denver? He was a atro- because atro- yeah, they seven. played Dallas in the first round and they beat yeah. them without KP, Six. but Dallas was fantastic. And er, yeah, Luke was fantastic fantastic. Kawhi, you wear this, bro. This is this is you, man. Like, so I, I just want to say two things on this, and then I'm done with these. With these fake ass Clippers. The first thing is, this is an organization that made a fatal mistake. And I, I think it's sort of what you're seeing with Boston, too. You have two redundant players, and these players don't accentuate each other's skills. And I think they're having this problem in Boston, right? Because, you know, in somewhere like Brooklyn, where you just pile on stars, James Harden can facilitate, Kyrie can just score whenever. He wants and Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. He's going to fit in can anywhere. He can do everything. Yeah. Everything. These puzzle pieces don't fit. Instead of going for Paul George, this should have been a team that was searching for a general. E- even this summer, I would have been blowing up the Thunder to bring Chris Paul. Like, th- this is an organization that just, they needed that. They need guidance. They need vocal leadership. And if this is if this 
matters to anyone, and this shows so anyone's value the most, it's Kyle Lowry. Right? I never want to hear again that the 2019 Raptors were carried by Kawhi. Kawhi had Kawhi was unbelievable last night. I watched the game. It was not as close as the final score says. It didn't even remotely matter. Guy had like 40. Didn't matter. But when it's the Raptors, oh, he's carrying them. But Ibaka's got 18. Lowry's got 20 and 7. You know, Siakam's got 14 rebounds. Like, the 2019 Raptors had Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Serge Ibaka all coming off the bench. This, this, this narrative that it's carried, it's over. It's over. It's done with. We're watching him carry this team now. Where are we? Yeah, and th- that's, that's a very good point because the Raptors don't win the title without Kawhi. He was their, best, question, he, he was their best player. They are there because of him because a lot of those guys couldn't do it alone. He was the one guy who on his own could go get a bucket. Took them to a different planet. And go get a bucket and go get a stop. Great. But that team was perfect. Now, did they beat the Warriors if the Warriors are fully healthy? We don't know, Ian. Because they weren't. And that's I'd basketball. love to find and out. That's though. fucking sports. That's the point. You don't know because the whole point is to get there and do the Let's thing. See what happens. And do the thing. Do the thing. And that's what we hope the Leafs do. They're in a good position to move on to their first second round matchup, playoff matchup since 2004. Yes, the North Division is soft. Yes, the Montreal Canadiens are worse, but you get to play the Montreal Canadiens because you did so well in the regular season. So we're going to sign off right here, Ian. The Leafs have a chance to end the series tomorrow night. I have to watch it on a computer because I am moving. So we will not be on next week. Very, very high chance we are not on next week. I will try everything I can to try and do. Hopefully, it's a round two series preview. But the Leafs have put themselves in a position. The Clippers have not. Ian, please sign us off from the From the Stands podcast. I have to say one more thing on the Clippers. (laughs) I can't help myself. (laughs) I watched Luca, and... He's not obviously De'Aaron Fox blowing by people, but they keep switching Pat Beverly on him. And he's treating Pat Beverly like Pat Beverly's his son, and they're in the driveway playing one-on-one. And he's just getting whatever he wants. But watching – when you watch Luka Doncic, it looks like you're watching your dad. Like my dad's just out there busting everybody up because he doesn't move anywhere particularly fast. He doesn't have like a particularly crazy crossover or any, anything like that. She's got an old man game and he's just busting your ass. And I, God, I freaking adore that guy. And if he takes out the Clippers, man, all time legend. He's deliberate. He gets to his spots and he makes his baskets. He does. With that said, go Mavs. Everyone else, please be safe. We love you guys. Thanks for checking in. Shout out TJ Brody. Love you, TJ. You've been fantastic. Thanks. Thanks.